Hanging tough, staying hungry They stack the odds and we take to the streets With the kill and the skill to survive Is the eye of the tiger, is the thrill of the fight Rising up to the challenge of our rival And the last known survivor sucks his prey in the night And he's watching us all with the of the tiger all right welcome everyone to the tori session i hope you like that rendition um crazy day today isn't it guys uh lots going on uh it is a great cover the song i uh didn't even think that i would uh, be able to find it in a ballad form let alone um so nicely done so I thought I would just play that while I set up my computer, which wasn't working. And we'll start off with my song uh, and get your last minute coffee ready. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to the new teaser and we'll go through it slowly so you understand what we actually put out there. And uh, we'll discuss what is happening Today in the news, what's important to know that's happening today in the news uh, and what's going to be happening. So here we go. Leave me, I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart all right so today is september 10th 2020 and tomorrow is a very a day that a day that we should remember and all Oh, and hold all of these people who 19 years ago did what they did to innocent people simply to put us to our knees and forfeit all our rights to privacy. This was well executed, well planned, ISI. You know, for others that are sitting in Congress, it's just a day where some people did some things. We should never forget it. And there's no one better sitting in the White House right now that can fix that for us. I think bringing them to justice can fix that for us. I mean, remember, I did tell you, hey, three judges for the 9-11 trials have left. March 25th, I told you, hey, a report came out saying Building 7 was not. It was a it was a controlled explosion. They did a whole paper on it. Took them 19 years to do it, but they did it, right? And then the minute that paper came out, another judge resigned. We still haven't even picked the jury down there. I wonder what Sessions doing. He's probably busy in Gitmo. Camp Justice. 
So those some ones that did something, well, some of them are still walking around Washington, D.C., getting paid with our federal tax dollars really pisses me off. And I'm sure it does the same for all of you, too. So I thought I would um, I would start today with our foreign news, kind of just an update, really, on uh, what's going on with uh, Turkey and Greece. Uh, you know, it's it's looking, you know, everyone thinks there's going to be war. I had a friend of mine saying, hey, uh, what do you think? Should my mom, should I send her off there? <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, the U.S. is there, so it's not like they're going to be able to conduct the war. So here's a little snippet of how the Financial Times see the conflict. Take a listen. It's uh, it's actually pretty interesting the way they it's it's odd. The tranquil waters of the Mediterranean are often seen as a place for sun, sea and relaxation. But far from shore, there is a brewing diplomatic crisis that is stoking fears of conflict at the borders of the EU. It's driven by energy reserves, territorial rivalries and long-standing political disputes in the region already roiled by war in Libya and the fraying relations between European countries and Turkey's President Erdogan. At the heart of the trouble are competing claims for territory that have long simmered in the background. But the discovery of natural gas reserves has brought them back to the surface. Most of the disputes center on competing claims for the land around the Greek islands, Turkish coastline or Cyprus, a divided island. Peace talks have repeatedly failed to reunite the Greek Cypriot south with the north, which was occupied by Turkey in 1974 with the justification of protecting the island's Turkish-speaking minority after a Greek-backed coup. The discovery of huge gas reserves in the last two decades, combined with the shifting politics of the region, threatens to bring this crisis to a head. First Israel, then Egypt, discovered significant resources that had the potential to transform their energy-poor economies, while leaving them with enough gas left over to export to other countries. The issue with this is that some of the territory is disputed. Turkey believes that northern Cyprus which is not recognized internationally as an independent state, is entitled to share the economic benefits of any gas fines around the island and should be able to determine who can drill in the water around its northern part. Government on the Greek Cypriot side is recognized as a legitimate authority for the whole island by every other country in the world and the EU, which controversially admitted Cyprus as a member. Hold on, can we just look at the math that Turkey does on shapes? Can we just, how do they do that? Like, if they were saying, oh, this is our territory, wouldn't it be from here to, like, over here? Not all of it. I- I'm just saying. The rest of the world acknowledges this, the striped area. I- I'm just just pointing it out to you. Just the, the weird shapes and the weird math. German who can drill in the water around its northern part. Government on the Greek Cypriot side is recognized as a legitimate authority for the whole island by every other country in the world and the EU, which controversially admitted Cyprus as a member in 2004, despite its divided status. Turkey also believes that Greece's claimed maritime... I've actually crossed that border um, and got a stamp because I used my U.S. passport. Uh, it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty gaunt, I'll tell you that. Um, it was... It was it was not nice. It's not. The border is being unfairly distorted by tiny Greek islands, which it doesn't believe should have the same maritime rights and in international law as countries with vast coastlines. It believes that international case law is on its side, although Turkey is not a member of the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea. 
If you look at the maps here, you can see Cyprus is declared exclusive economic zone based partly on negotiated agreements with its neighbors that are internationally recognized. Okay, I just wanted to say when I crossed that border, I just did it just to cross it because uh, I was actually in Cyprus and I'll show you, I was like over here and I was going to take a boat to Haifa, to Israel, and that's what I did. So um, uh, I just thought, hey, why not? I, I literally was there for just like a f maybe 30 minutes. I walked in, everything was abandoned, tons of soldiers. All I wanted to do was cross the border. But when you overlay the second map, some of the same territories claimed by Turkey through its own coastline and some by northern Cyprus. An exclusive economic zone is an area prescribed by the UN. It's generally taken to be up to 200 nautical miles off the coastline and gives the country exclusive or special rights over the exploitation of resources in that area. Where two countries' zones overlap, the territory is generally cut along a median line between them. The south and eastern parts of Cyprus's zone, shown here, are delineated by agreements with Egypt, Israel and Lebanon. Turkey believes that its claim should extend further from its coastline beyond Cyprus itself. Greek islands... Wait, I want to revisit that because then you're going to understand why I understand the whole. Do you see that part here? Let me believes it. that its claim should extend further from its coastline beyond Cyprus itself. Here we go. Delineated by agreements with Egypt, Israel and Lebanon. Do you see that? So what is the territory that Turkey wants? That one, right? What's uh, here? Right. So I just wanted to point that out with the ships and all the further turmoil that's happening with the attempt to annex Lebanon. I mean, France is there trying to, oh, we'll just come. You heard them with their own mouth. Well, it's a lot easier for him to go there than Angola and stuff. So he might as well just take over and annex it to France, right? Because they're desperate. They have no money. And Turkey's coming in. I'm just saying. Turkey believes that its claim should extend further from its coastline beyond Cyprus itself. Greek islands, such as those in the Aegean Sea that lie very close to its coastline, should not be automatically entitled to a full zone, and that countries should instead negotiate an equitable solution that is fair to all parties. You can see on the map here that Cyprus is essentially encircled by the Northern Cyprus and Turkish claims, apart from one small area to its southwest. In recent weeks, Turkish drill ships supported by the Turkish military have returned to disputed territory in the west of Cyprus to drill for gas. The move has faced resistance from Greece, France and some other EU nations who have disputed territory in the west of Cyprus. Wait, let's just look at that math again. In recent okay, week, hold on, here, hold on. Cyprus is a so you see, they've claimed this territory is there. Nobody acknowledges it except for Turkey. And they're like, and because we own this and this is part of Turkey, all of this is ours, and then this is also ours because we said so, right? Because we said so, okay? This is this is what's going on, just in layman terms. I said so, so it's mine, and it's like, um, that's not how it works. Well, we have this because we have this, which is not theirs either. It's occupied, and nobody acknowledges it. And then, so that gives us this, and we're just going to take that too. And it's like, um, okay essentially encircled by the Northern Cyprus and Turkish claims, apart from one small area to its southwest. In recent weeks, Turkish drill ships supported by the Turkish military have returned to disputed territory in the west of Cyprus to drill for gas. The move has faced resistance from Greece, France and some other EU nations who believe that Turkey's actions are provocative. Germany has led an effort to try and cool tensions. Crucially, however... Okay, who believe that Turkey's actions are provocative? All right, let's stop right there. Let's forget Turkey and Cyprus and let's 
turn this into, I don't know, Hawaii. Okay. So here come some, you know, Korean ships. Right. And they're like, so we're taking this portion of Hawaii. We're going to just take this island and it's ours. And because it's ours, we're going to take all the water territory around it and all the rest of it too. Cause, cause we said so. Uh, how does that, how is that not provocative? I mean, in what world is that not seen as pro- provocative? Let's just say if the Koreans came in and said, Hawaii's ours, I'm just saying, right? Uh, would it be okay? It'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, this, this allegedly provocative, uh, kind of, yeah, provocative. Ever, where Turkey is drilling is not an area where gas reserves have yet been discovered. Off Cyprus, the country has decided to auction a number of blocks of territory to international energy companies to come and explore. They do this by putting a price on what they think are the most likely areas to contain gas. One of the issues for the Eastern Mediterranean is finding a way to get the gas to market. Israel, for example, has been able to pipe it directly into the country and use gas to significantly reduce its reliance on highly polluting coal before beginning exports to Jordan and Egypt. Egypt has pipelines running from near the giant Zohar gas fields, which bring the gas ashore. One of the dreams of many executives working in the region is to establish a far larger pipeline, known as the East Med Gas Pipeline, to take the gas from near Cyprus to pipe it towards Greece and Italy to give Europe an alternative to Russian gas supplies. However, this would be one of the most ambitious undersea gas pipelines in history, both in terms of its length, over 2,000 kilometers, but also the territory it would need to pass through, some of which Turkey claims is its own. Let's stop right there. I'll tell you why it's a bad idea to have underwater pipelines there. So you see this area here, right here. This is one of the most active seismic regions ever. We have so many earthquakes in this area daily. That's just a disaster waiting to happen. Now, of course, you can say I'll create pipes and just like, you know, houses built in Turkey and Greece are done so on um, certain uh, foundations that sway with the motion. They have that in California, too, you know, so they don't just crack. Um, but that is a concerning project uh, only because of this is a very active earthquake region. Also, because there are fault lines there, massive fault lines. Actually, right here in this gulf, there was an area. It's called the Sunken City. Um, I've, uh, when I was younger, I had, uh, well, actually, I have a picture of my favorite seat whenever I can get there. It's like a chair and a table where I would spend hours just reading and doing math as a kid. But the, 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 it's a lake, but it's not really a lake. It's where the mountains actually tore apart and a whole city sunk. And you can actually do tours with uh, scuba gear and see the city untouched, like with people still there under the water. Uh, they were buried. It just sank. So, and that's over here, um, by the light post of the, uh, Corinthian uh, Patras Gulf. It is, it's quite extraordinary if, if ever, you know, you are able to go. Um, I mean, that's, that's super fascinating. But for me, I'm just saying that piping something like this through regions 
that are so highly volatile in regards to seismic activity, you know, doesn't really make a lot of sense. The long-term hope is that natural gas reserves lead to a form of reconciliation between Greece, Turkey and Cyprus, as they see the benefits of mutual development of the gas. But such an outcome has been sought for decades with little success. The risk is that by accident or design, the gas reserves of the eastern Mediterranean could become a flashpoint for these wider disputes. Okay, so that was Financial Times, right? Now here's another one, because everyone's thinking, whoa, is there war? Is there war? Uh, I'll tell you that um, there, it's 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 getting pretty bad uh, in Lebanon, and it seems that as you saw, Lebanon's like right there flanking uh, southeastern Cyprus. Uh, that Turkey may go in for a grab too. Uh, that's actually being discussed. Let's take a look at the summit. And Turkey is strained. The two neighbors have disagreed over issues such as migration, religion, and the future of Cyprus. Now, the prospect of a natural gas exploration in the eastern Mediterranean has the NATO neighbors in a tense standoff. It's an issue that seven southern European nations, including Greece, are discussing today in a summit convened by the French president, Emmanuel Macron. Evelyn Laverick reports. The normally smooth waters of the eastern Mediterranean have turned choppy with a crisis set to dominate today's Med 7 summit. The navies of Turkey and Greece are both at sea and Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan and Greek Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis are blaming each other for the worsening relations. On August the 10th, Ankara sent a research vessel to the Eastern Med to explore an area, part of which belongs to Greece, according to Athens. Turkey disagrees, claiming oil exploitation rights within that part of the continental shelf. We are seeing this crisis uh, for more than 10 years, and now we are seeing that uh, both countries have defending their claims. Turkey's agreement with Libya for sharing uh, East Mediterranean fueled the tension, a later Greece agreement with the Egypt. So we see. Wait a minute. Turkey's agreement with Libya wasn't done with Libya, right? Remember that. I, I told you about this in 2018. Uh, this was uh, facilitated by the UN by giving Qatar and Turkey um, uh, facilitating a mutual defense agreement because Tripoli, the only portion of Libya that the UN acknowledges, whereas the rest of the world kind of acknowledges the rest of Libya as the formal government, except for the UN. Well, they're the ones that gave Turkey this avenue because they said so. And Turkey negotiated these waters and it's not even theirs. So, okay. See that both countries are pushing to have uh, the maximum. The European Union's Foreign Affairs Council has been discussing what should be the appropriate European response. And sanctions are on the table. Possible EU sanctions against Turkey will undoubtedly send a strong message to the Turks. However, I believe that they're only part of a more comprehensive strategy that the EU must develop towards Turkey. This strategy should be a kind of carrot and stick policy, a combination of the German approach of engagement or commitment to Turkey with the French approach of curbing Turkish aggression.
But Greek and Turkish warships on patrol are not the only reason for tensions. Migration, the Libyan crisis and relations with countries on the Med Southern shore are also on the menu. Discussions at the summit are expected to be robust. Evelyn Lavrik, Euronews. Well, our international correspondent, Annalise Borges, is at... Remember, Turkey's using refugees as a weapon right now. They're unleashing them into the sea. The summit in Corsica, and we can go there to speak to her now. Morning to you, Annalise. So we've just heard about the tensions in the Med. Clearly, that's going to be high on the agenda today, but it's not the only thing that will be discussed. So what else is on the table? Good morning, Rosie. Well, indeed, uh, the tensions in the East Mediterranean will be a big part of the meeting when leaders convene here in Ajaxio later today. But they will also discuss a wide range of other issues that are uh, plaguing the Mediterranean Sea, if you will, the conflict uh, in Syria and Libya, climate change, as well as migration. The Mediterranean Sea has come to symbolize all these multiple crises uh, facing Europe. And this collective of uh, Southern European countries, the Med7, uh, are going to try and discuss and come up with a very clear position so that their interests uh, are respected, are convened very clearly in the upcoming uh, special session of the Council of Europe later this month. Uh, Emmanuel Macron and uh, Kyriakos Mitsotakis will hold a bilateral meeting early in the afternoon, uh, during which they are likely to discuss uh, the fire in Moria, in the island of Lesbos. There are questions uh, raised uh, on whether or not Emmanuel Macron could offer, for example, that France uh, would essentially take some of the more than 12,000 refugees that were uh, housed in that camp. Um, once again, the idea here is, uh, according to Emmanuel Macron, uh, so that these countries show solidarity with one another and that they come up with a very clear message to other European countries about what they need and what they can offer to the collective. Um, the Elysee Palace uh, this week also said this is not about uh, creating a, a group within a group. This is not about divisions within Europe, but rather to once again, come up with a very clear line of action with the, on the part of uh, these uh, southern countries so that their interests and their actions are respected in the collective of the union. Rosie. All right. So uh, we've got tensions firing up. This has been brewing for two years. Uh, things are coming up. Yeah. Well, Omar actually had a private meeting with Erdogan and she visits the Turkish embassy and uh, gets text messages from the prime minister uh, and uh, the what would be the equivalent of the secretary of state, which is the uh, minister of foreign affairs. They text her and they even promoted people donating to her campaign. So that's that. I just wanted to kind of uh, uh, touch that base with you and let you know what's going on. Uh, there are a lot of things heating up uh, on the Russian and Pakistani border, too, uh, which is, um, I mean, that heat's turning up really, really quick. Um, before we get into the tragedies that are happening on our Pacific coast, I want to remind you how in Beirut, we were live together when I told you that in Beirut, the concern that we had was that their leadership, uh, stepped down, right? Uh, they, um, they were 
in a lot of debt and in a lot of trouble. Uh, the IMF was not giving the money. If you remember that show, you can go back and watch it or listen to it on the day of the bombing. And I told you that it's not ammonium nitrate, even though the whole world is saying it. Then everybody came out to say it was lithium. Uh, you know, I already told you it was a Donkey Kong. But what I told you was it was all about money. And so, and obviously it got rid of some Ukrainian ships that just so happened to be at the same spot where the explosion happened. But um, what you need to understand is, is uh, what I had conveyed to you was since they were so desperate and in debt, that a state of emergency always brings money. So if you have an explosion, an outbreak like coronavirus, you know how they perpetuated it in those five states. They actually murdered elderly patients to keep the state in a state of emergency to request money. So, uh, you know, Lebanon is currently, as you see on your screen, for those of you watching, in flames. And I, and I told you at the beginning of 2020, I don't want to set the world on fire and that there were going to be fires everywhere. And we're seeing that now. Uh, it is um, a big concern. This is all about money and land grabbing. And we see this. And so this is being perpetuated because we saw in the aftermath that we had the WTO, WFO, uh, and uh, the UN kind of flock in there. We saw Macron jump into it to try to annex it. And even though there's people, they're, well, it's not our problem. It's not America. It totally is when your real enemy, which is the European Union slash UN, are land grabbing, that is a big issue because that is a very prime position, Lebanon, Israel, Syria, Cyprus, Greece. That is the belly button of the planet to have access to all continents. That is a, a very big geostrategic point uh, to be able to get there. Remember, when Hitler wanted to invade, he wanted to get to Syria and he wanted to cross to get to Syria because from there he was going to be able to have his hands on uh, the Middle East, Africa and Asia. Uh, this is what needs to be understood as to how uh, war strategy is done. So this is a concern that they are in debt. Europe owns Lebanon, well, the IMF does. And, uh, you know, this all goes away with one stroke of the pen, you know, eliminating the fiat currency, which the IMF is built on. Uh, so uh, this is, uh, you know, this is pretty, pretty shocking. This is, um, this is Beirut right now. Uh, they're telling people that it won't explode. I mean, this could just be another insurance claim for neighboring places that want to get out, uh, neighboring companies. It's usually about money when fires are set. I, I think I, um, I, I remember when I was uh, a young child, my uh, and fires were being set to mountains. I remember I was a very, very young, and my gr there were fires on the mountain. And I was like watching the whole place 
torch, the whole mountain in flames and grease. And I, and I, and I said to my grandpa, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Is it from the heat? He's like, no, they set the fires. Gosh darn it. It's going the other way. It's not going to burn our side of the mountain. And I was like, what the heck? He was like, look, sometimes they get out of control, but you know, there's laws. You can't build because there's uh, specific trees. So people burn it. And then when it's flattened out, you can get licenses and permits to build. Some people, you know, want to file an insurance claim. They do it. And, you know, when there's a state, this is when I was a kid, he told me this. And when there's a state of emergency, the government just gives you money to fix things. And I was like, <laughs> he actually complained that they didn't burn the other side. It was like business as usual. Now, this is like 80s, right? And I remember being so young and shocked. My mouth dropped and my grandma just looked at him and, and he was like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, it is unfortunate. I hope nobody dies. He's like, no one's going to die. They all plan this stuff. He was kind of like, really, you know, uh, making it clear to me that this is business as usual. But for me, it was really concerning uh, as a child. And uh, I just remember my grandmother just giving him one up and, you know, just like back slapping on his shoulder. He's just like, what are you doing? But he was right. This happens all the time. It's a money grab and it's a, you know, it always works. I guess it worked in when he was younger. So he was like, yeah, it happens all the time. And now we're seeing fires and we're like, damn, that's a money grab. You can see that now too. And it's so sad that we're seeing that happen in front of our eyes. Remember, as I've said, these people want power at any cost and they are willing to kill you to do it. You saw that with those governors in those states killing people to perpetuate the state of emergency in order to get more funds. This is a huge concern and it should be a concern that they are able to do things like that. Uh, it shouldn't be happening at all. So um, I think I want to start today with um, uh, Lou Dobbs and what he had to say about the president's nomination uh, for uh, the Pulitzer uh, for the Nobel Prize. I said Pulitzer. Take a listen. To take up these uh, market gains and the president's leadership uh, on the economy in particular, National Economic Council Director Larry Kudlow. Larry, good to have you with us. Uh, you, you guys must have been dreaming about uh, this kind of uh, response of the market today. Your thoughts? Thank you, Lou. Look, I think the market action today was great, but I think the most extraordinary, wonderful thing today was nominating President Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize, one of the great honors you can possibly get. And did the stock market rise on that news because it helps his reelection? Maybe it did. I don't know. I'll let others judge. But I will just tell you, speaking personally, somebody honored to serve in his uh, as a senior guy in his administration, getting the Nobel Peace Prize, getting nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Heck, Lou. The Danish guy was in the paper today. Do you agree what he said? He said, I don't really like Mr. Trump. But his uh, his accomplishments in the Middle East and in Europe and elsewhere and NATO are so amazing in China. That is just the most terrific headline today. I'm glad you mentioned that. I know you tweeted it out. Thank you for that. The other networks don't want to cover it too bad. It's a phenomenal thing. Congrats to Mr. Trump. Congrats to the president. 
Indeed, congratulations to him. It's the reason we led with it tonight. Uh, it's a it's an extraordinary, as you say, uh, commendation from uh, uh, the Nobel uh, uh, Committee, and uh, it's uh, it's an honor that he fully deserves. Uh, this administration has not in, <laughs> extended our military as previous administrations had, and he has eliminated the neocons from the algorithm of American foreign policy, uh, which is upsetting, of course, to many in the establishment, but I'm sure they'll get over that. They'll have <laughs> no choice. Uh, let's return to the economy. Yeah. It is We're seeing strong signs of, uh, of that recovery. We also have uh, ways to go. Uh, give us your, your take on where we are right now uh, with uh, job creation, uh, with a resurgent uh, small business uh, sector in this uh, country, and the restoration of, of manufacturing. Yeah, I think you're right on both counts. We are getting ourselves a much stronger recovery than a lot of people anticipated. We're not there yet. You know, there's still hardship out there. But getting the unemployment rate quickly to single digits, 8.4 percent, virtually no one expected that uh, before year end or even next year. Uh, 3.8 million household jobs. It's the household small business survey that gets you the unemployment rate. Uh, so far, we've created uh, 10.6 million new payroll jobs. We've created 14 million new household jobs. Uh, those are big numbers in four months. And again, we have much more work to do. I understand that. But this is a right direction. It's a great beginning to what I think is going to be a great comeback. And I want to note one thing, Lou. So many people, I don't know, there's a lot of ankle biting going on. I know it's a political season saying, well, it's just the well-to-do that are improving now uh, in this period of the pandemic contraction. Well, guess what? 70% of those jobs come from low-paying industries. Low-paying industries, okay? Retailing, hospitality, restaurants, and the low-end healthcare people. Now, look, I have nothing against anybody succeeding. I have nothing against anybody getting good jobs, high-paid jobs, millionaire <laughs> jobs. But the fact that people keep harping and ankle-biting on this, and it's just like the tax cuts, Lou. Let's go back. Ah. After the tax cuts, right, so many ankle-biters said only the rich people benefit. In fact, and I mean fact, underscore, all right, underscore fact, it was the middle income, it was the blue-collar boom, it was the lower middle-class jobs and wages that grew faster than the upper wages. So, there you have it. We're off to a good start. The second half of the year, you're going to get 20% plus in Q3 and probably Q4. It's a V-shaped recovery. We have more work to do. I get that. We need good policies. We need to lower taxes and regulations and keep incentives. We need to have good trade policies oh. and so forth. But thankfully, prayerfully, as the virus comes back down, the economy is coming back up. Yep. And uh, uh, thanks to your hard work, Band of the President. Okay, so uh, we already talked about the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, I'm not impressed. It doesn't mean anything because Obama got it for simply doing absolutely nothing. Uh, they say it's because he, what, what did they say? Because he um, helped with racial issues. You mean he perpetuated racial issues because that's exactly what he did. Uh, so, you know, he helped Neil, the United States of America, and he got an award for it. And I find it insulting that uh, my president is put up for the same award that means nothing personally. That, that's that's my take on it. Now, 
I wanted to uh, go into something um, that was uh, that I found interesting. I found interesting the question posed if the Department of Justice should be defending the president against uh, that crazy whack job, Carol. See, isn't it funny how they discredit and they slander and they push these fake notions or real, who knows, so much later, right? Um, But they're doing this now. She came out years ago. It didn't work. So now they're pulling that card too. new impeachment. Like I told you was going to be coming. Carol coming around in a lawsuit. How many more coming around? All of this is happening. We just need to get Assange into the United States of America. Take a listen. Can you explain why the Justice Department has decided to take over the defense in this uh, libel case involving the president? is done frequently. It's been done for presidents. It's been done for congressmen. Uh, the, the normal process was followed in this particular case you're talking about. And there's particular cases that are right on point. Attorney General Bill Barr standing by his Department of Justice's move to defend President Trump in a defamation suit brought by advice columnist E. Jean Carroll. All right. Here to react, Fox News Senior Judicial Analyst Judge Andrew Napolitano. Judge, is this standard? It's not standard, Brian, for the federal government to assume the defense of an employee of the federal government who makes a statement that is unrelated to his official duties. It is standard. President Bush was defended. President Obama was defended. And the attorney general is right. Congress, members of Congress have been defended when they do something or say something related to their official duties and they're sued for it. But the president's comments, I didn't rape her because she's not my type is hardly related to his official duties. So that's why it's an improper use of the government's uh, uh, tools to enter the case. Now, when the government enters the case... (laughs) I didn't rape her because she's not my type. Okay, stop. That would be totally something I would say. I don't know about you guys. Someone came to me and said, you know, oh my gosh, you touched this dude's, you know... (laughs) I'm sorry. If someone said, you touched this dude's butt or this chick, I would be like, nah, I wouldn't do that. Not my type. Uh, that is totally a straight up answer. Oh my gosh. I hate Napolitano. Seriously, I do. What a, he's getting his paychecks from Leone. Uh, but anyway, anyway, let's, <laughs> I'm sorry. I really, <laughs> I found that hilarious. I'm sorry. But I would totally say the same thing. Wait, I want to hear it again. I want to hear it again because he was so upset. Look at his face when he had his hand. Let's just look at him for it. But the president's comments, I didn't rape her because she's not my type, (laughs) is hardly related to his official duties. So that's why it's an improper use of the government's uh, uh, tools to enter the case. Now, when the government enters the case, it not only pays for the lawyers to defend the president. It not only moves the case from state court to federal court, but the government becomes the defendant. The president would no longer be the defendant. And when the government is the defendant, the case goes away because the case is based on defamation and the federal government cannot be sued for defamation. So this is not only an improper use of the two statutes here, the Westfall Act and the Tort Claims Act. 
it's a violation of the due process rights of the plaintiff. Right. Judge, uh, let's talk a little bit about something we've been talking about for, it seems like, a very long time. And we're wondering when it's going to finally come to a, a head or an end. And that is the fact that uh, Bill Barr spoke to NBC. They ran part of the interview yesterday and said that uh, criminal charges may be coming soon in the Durham probe. But we've heard, you know, we've kind of gotten that inclination for a while. Uh, the closer you get to the election, if there are going to be accusations and charges, the more political it looks. So what's it look like to you? Is it going to come out before the election? Is it going to come out after the election? Are people going to get in big trouble, jail, stuff like that? What? So the Department of Justice has a a rule not to issue an indictment within 60 days of an election if the indictment is of a public official or is likely to affect the outcome right. of the election. This rule was tossed around quite a bit uh, in 2016 when days. Jim Comey, within 60 days. Yes, we are inside 60 days. So theoretically, if they follow that rule, Steve, they won't issue any indictments until after Election Day. This rule was tossed about in 2016 when Jim Comey yeah. asserted himself in the election about Hillary Clinton within 60 days of the election. Now, who are they going to indict? Well, they have a cooperating witness who's the young lawyer who pleaded guilty to altering a document. There's no written plea agreement. But we can assume from his guilty plea that he is their cooperating witness who's giving them, that is, he's giving the prosecutors a roadmap mm-hmm. about who was involved in misleading the FISA court in order to torment and surveil the Trump campaign. Do you? That's a lie. That is a total lie. Look, look at his face. That's a lie. He knows Klein Smith is a loser. All he did was press delete. Someone told him to press delete. They all knew. They all, none of them didn't, none of them had no idea that, you know, Carter Page was an asset for the CIA's bullshit. It's complete nonsense. So he's not giving them any roadmap. He's giving them whatever roadmap he wants so they can minimize damage. The real stuff we already have. So here's what you do. You already have what you need. What do you do? It's the same thing. <laughs> Super easy strategy. Let's pretend you're having a fight with your neighbor over your fence, right? And for whatever reason, your neighbor's so dumb that he's planning on putting you in a box, right? <laughs> About your fence. And he's like emailing, you know, people in the city, police officers and sheriffs. But accidentally, for whatever reason, he's sending you copies of those emails and he doesn't know that or he thinks that you don't have access to that whatever and so you have all this evidence so that when it comes down to a lawsuit with your guy are you going to tell him well i have the emails you're going to ask him so oh so the fence happened like this oh and tell me more and who'd you contact well i made a phone call and made him so that's the only contact you had with them yeah totally i i called the the police and the sheriff i made a complaint and said you know the fence was an inch over and that was the only communication i had are you sure that's the only communication yes i'm totally sure and that's how you get him in a trap So you let them tell you the story they want to tell you and wait, wait and follow the lead to see what story they're telling you while you already know the story they're not telling you. That's where the real story is. And hence why everything's so slow, very slow.
trust that all things will be above board in this? If, if the indictments are held until after Election Day, I do. The uh, U.S. attorney uh, in Connecticut, John Durham, uh, has an excellent reputation for intellectual uh, honesty and fidelity uh, to the law. And those of us in the legal community uh, know that. And I don't know anybody that disagrees with that. If he holds his fire until after Election Day, whatever it is, whether it's no indictments, whether it's an indictment of some high profile person in the Obama administration, if he holds his fire until after Election Day, he will have done the country uh, mm. a service by prosecuting the people he thinks he should prosecute in a way that does not affect the outcome of the election. So even if they committed crimes, look at his face, even though they committed crimes, it's like, we'll just wait till after the elections because they're going to try to steal it. So let's wait. Gave a real good, thorough interview with uh, the Attorney General Barr, who outlined exactly what he think went wrong on uh, the whole probe. It's definitely worth reading or listening to. Uh, thanks, Judge. Great to talk to you. Yeah, not so great, but it was very enlightening to tell us how they feel. Uh, it's always interesting to see how people feel at times like this. So um, this hour, we're going to end it with um, West Coast wildfires. Now, there's a lot of uh, a lot of reporting on Twitter from people that have been going up the I-5 uh, and even the police admitting, yeah, these are purposely set. Again, it's all about the money. I mean, didn't the uh, governor just extend COVID till the day after the election, right? Meantime, more on the wildfires scorching the West now to blame for killing at least seven people, including two children in Oregon, Washington and California. Crews still trying to get dozens of wildfires under control as they burn up and down the West Coast. Jeff Paul live for us from the Bobcat fire in Monrovia, California. And Jeff, some fires are really kind of growing at an alarming rate. Yeah, and that, of course, is uh, rightfully so scaring many of the people who live in communities like here in Monrovia when they wake up to the news that this fire that's burning behind us, as you mentioned, the Bobcat fire has nearly doubled in size, uh, now burning more than nearly, I should say. Wait, fun fact about fires in Oregon, OK? So I was I had um, just finished work. And I was trying to run to go. I, I think I told you the story where I got like 100 tickets in the same day. So it it is actually a criminal violation to throw a cigarette outside the window in Oregon because of their trees and stuff. Obviously, it was raining cats and dogs. And it's not like I'm going to open my door in oncoming traffic because my whole cigarette, you know, I held it out the window and the drop went and it just broke off down there. Right. I wasn't going to do it. So imagine if you can get a fine and imprisonment for throwing a cigarette out. What do you get for this? That's what we have to think about. Or are they going to be let out? Cause I'll be pissed. It cost me $1,500 in the rain for a cigarette. If these people get away with this, it's crazy. Cause one thing about Oregon is they have super strong fire laws, super massive fire laws with big penalties. 20,000 acres and counting. Many remain under an evacuation warning as the flames continue to creep closer and closer to the foothills communities. And this is just one of the more than 20 large fires burning here in California. And as you move up the West Coast to the Pacific North, Northwest, it's the same devastating story. Dozens of fires impacting both Oregon and Washington. 
At least three people were killed in Oregon, one in Washington in the fast-moving fires. And in Oregon, they have stretched to nearly 500 square miles in total, roughly the size of Phoenix, Arizona. Officials say the fires have destroyed five small towns as the flames continue to spread. Governor Kate Brown says the state has never seen anything like it. I want to be up front in saying that we expect to see a great deal of loss, both in structures and in human lives. This could be the greatest loss of human lives and property due to wildfire in our state's history. In Northern California, authorities have confirmed at least three deaths, but as many as 12 in that area are missing. Hundreds have already been rescued via helicopter, and even a group of firefighters trying to protect their fire station were injured. And even though the fires are burning a few hundred miles away from the Bay Area, winds have pushed ash and smoke into cities like San Francisco. It's creating an eerie sight, causing a bright orange sky, almost like something you'd see on the planet Mars. I was wondering what time it was, and then I looked outside, and it looked like doomsday. It feels like the end of the world. It's pretty scary. Now, in total here in the West, uh, 90 major fires burning right now, burning 5,300 square miles, which is roughly the size of the state of Connecticut. Trace? Yeah, dry winter, dry summer, a lot of fuel to burn. Jeff Paul live on the fire line for oh, us. Oh, climate Frank. change. There we go. Dry, dry summer, lots of fuel to burn. There goes the lumber industry, right? There that goes. Huh? Pretty incredible. Actually, um, I wanted, I'll, uh, we'll go for a break. Get yourself a coffee, and I'll be right back for the second hour. We'll we'll just touch base on struck. And go head first into Shadowgate 2 and talk a, talk a little bit about uh, the other uh, military industrial camp. And um, I think you're going to find it very interesting uh, when you see um, how things pan out in the end. Set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. In my heart, I have but one desire. All ambition for worldly acclaim. I just want to be the one you love. And with your admission, you'd feel the same. I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of. Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire. Just 
I've lost all ambition for worldly acclaim. I just want to be the one you love. And with your admission, you'd feel the same. I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of. Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. All right, welcome back, everyone. Uh, so we're going to start with uh, Peter Strzok. Uh, in this hour, uh, just a couple clips, uh, so we can go through it. As you see, everybody's writing books, uh, <laughs> as much garbage as they can, you know. But you know what they say? If a book is banned or a video, then that means that there's something really important in that that you must take a look at. So, let me get, first of all, uh, this uh, tweet uh, by the president uh, that was um, quite interesting. And I want you to take a listen to this. Hold on. There we go. Give me a second, because I think I have it muted. There we go. Great to have you back on, Senator. Uh, Thank you, Elizabeth. I'd, I'd like your reaction to, it's good to see you again, Peter Strzok, the former FBI official, uh, fired uh, for anti-Trump bias and his text messages. He has a new book out. He's now downplaying uh, the, his anti-Trump text messages where he said, we are going to stop Trump from getting elected. He's downplaying the Flynn probe, saying we didn't set up a perjury trap for General Michael Flynn. He's downplaying the Steele dossier, which the Democrats funded, with the, which the FBI used to justify, help justify FISA wiretaps. He's downplaying that. He's now calling the Steele dossier, saying it put the FBI on a goose chase. Your reaction to what Peter Strzok is now saying? Everything that he has said, we have ample evidence, including his own emails, that refute it. And we have notes and things like that that uh, just says that he is misleading uh, to cover up something, I presume. Uh, we all know that uh, Lieutenant General Flynn uh, got the shaft. He was set up. We know that uh, uh, he should not be uh, e even uh, in trial right now or before a judge right now because the executive branch of government that has the power to prosecute uh, decided that the, the case against him was so flimsy. They even set up a, a, a special U.S. attorney to look at it. And that's why Barr said that they ought to be dropped. And then we got this crazy thing that the judicial branch thinks that they can be prosecutor and judge at the same time. And so we have the D.C. Circuit set in. This guy has been treated miserably, and he ought to be let go, and he ought to be able to live the rest of his life as a citizen, and let him make some money to make up for all this tremendous cost that the government caused him because they entrapped him. You know, Senator, you've been fighting the good fight in D.C. for a long time. I've been watching your career since the 80s. U.S. Attorney John Durham is reportedly looking into 
Who at the FBI misled the FISA court, which is meant to catch terrorists? Strzok was in on getting those FISA wiretaps to spy on the Trump team. FBI officials covered up from the court all sorts of things and misled the FISA court. And we have, you know, the- wait, but what if there were f- wiretaps while General Flynn was talking with his lawyers? I mean, I'm just saying. The question is, John Durham, the U.S. attorney in a criminal probe, is reportedly looking into the abuses of the FISA court under the Obama administration. Peter Strzok says he's not a basically was not interviewed by Durham here. Do you think he's a target or a witness? Well, if he isn't, there's several people that ought to be. And McCabe's one that just to show you that there's unequal justice here in Washington, D.C., McCabe lied two or three times and he's never been prosecuted. And uh, Flynn was entrapped and he's prosecuted. And it's probably cost him millions and millions of dollars to defend himself. You know, here's the other thing. You make a good point about unequal justice in D.C. Because we're seeing the, you know, we're digging into what happened with that FISA court. Eighty-five percent of the uh, NSA, excuse me, there was something like 85 percent of the FISA court searches done in 2015. Uh, this was a FISA court audit. They were non-compliant. This is under the Obama administration. So the FBI. Wait a minute. So she's talking about what I've been talking about for years, right? That they weren't NSA compliant. And now they're talking about it. Why? What are you trying to get ahead of? See, they wouldn't talk about it before. I don't have a problem with someone with a bigger platform taking my knowledge and making a story out of it. I don't. As long as justice is had. As long as the people are free. As long as we have a free nation. Why are they talking about it now? You have to think about it. Why are they mentioning the NSA over collections and that they were out of compliance since 2014 now and not then when it mattered? Think about it. The NSA, the DOJ was going to the FISA court to get wiretaps. And then the information that was collected was then given to outside contractors, including at places like the the FBI. So the. Oh, wait, that information was given to outside contractors. Oh, no, duh. The abuse of the FISA court is key to the Durham probe. Your reaction to that? Well, of course it's key. And I wish I could tell you when Durham's going to do more prosecution like the one he's already prosecuted. Uh, But I want to make very clear, I would like to have people that violated the law uh, to be prosecuted. But the most important thing is between now and November 3rd, all of this information ought to be out for the voters' consideration of how unjustly uh, the the Trump campaign was spied on in the first place and all the undercover things, including lying to the uh, FISA court uh, to spy on that campaign and involving a lot of other people like Carter Page and Papa Andrews and those people that had very little to do with the campaign, nothing but an interest to get to the spying on the Trump campaign. Uh, This thing cannot happen again. And we got to make sure the people know it before the election. Yeah, it's about civil liberties, which you've been a champion of. It could happen to to you, Elizabeth. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I hear you. 
I hear you, Senator. Remember, okay. can you talk to us about what happened in mid-July? The Democrats were alleging that Republicans were relying on disinformation no. in the intelligence community report. Can you talk to us about that and what what's happening with this, this addendum to that intelligence community report? That, you know, in other words, that the focus should be on China. Democrats like Pelosi, Schumer, Schiff say, no, it's Russia. Can you talk to us about what happened well, here? Well, of course. But it's, it's kind of complicated because what the Democrats are using is foreign disinformation to make a claim that our investigation involves the dissemination of foreign disinformation. And we're not even involved in that sort of thing. Everything that we're involved in is using uh, documents within the federal government. So it's all... Uh, an effort on their part because they do not want this truth to come out. Uh, they, uh, uh, they're doing everything to in, uh, inhibit this investigation whatsoever. And we can't let it happen. This is just another thing that we're, uh, we talk about Flynn getting that information out before the election. This information ought to be out before the election. It, it goes pretty high up with some people. Uh, and families that are involved right now uh, in these election campaigns. So it looks like the Democrats are creating fake footnotes and fake, fake addenda to well, intelligence community reports that weren't in the original reports and disseminating to the media yeah, as, if, yeah. as if this is what the intelligence community is talking about. Is that what they're doing? Absolutely. And I can tell by your question, you've studied this thing really in the weeds. And I compliment you for doing that because you have <laughs> se you have seen through it. But a lot of the other people, the other journalists that have been used by the Democrats haven't dug this deep. And they and they have fallen for this argument that we're uh, 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 disseminating Russian disinformation and those footnotes you're talking about is a reference to the uh, foreign disinformation that they're using uh, against us uh, uh, to accuse us of using foreign disinformation. Well, it's gotten really like a, a, a circus well, hall of mirrors down there, Senator, and we're so glad that we have you to break just, it down for us because, you know, you're making a great point, Senator, because the American people, the American voter is being misled by the mainstream media. And we're getting to the bottom of it. Thanks to your help, Senator. Will you come back soon? Well, I come back anytime you ask me. You know that. <laughs> OK, sure. Yeah. Senator Grassley, thanks for joining us. All right. So that was that. And that was um not super informative, kind of informative. I wanted to kind of, um, there was this picture that someone put out, this one. <laughs> so I wanted to say something. So this day when we did this, um, I had something on my shirt uh, right there. And so I was like, Millie, I have to come up closer to the thing. And we were doing it from the laptop. And it looked like I was taking over the whole thing. And it was because I wanted to hide <laughs> the bottom portion of where I had that um, issue. And so this was one of the most emotional days I think I ever had um, with her because she was still coming out of jail mode, uh, even though there were a couple days in between it. And um, I could tell you that yesterday her court went well. Um, it's just so bizarre. Uh, it is so politically charged. Uh, it is so corrupt 
it is, it is really bad. And, um, um, I'm concerned, uh, as to how, I mean, like someone said, if they can do that, uh, to General Flynn, imagine what they can do to you. And uh, I've been victim of it too. So, uh, <laughs> I know. Um, so I wanted to kind of tell, remind you, remind you, that's, that's the right word, remind you how important uh, you are. And I say this because a lot of people seem to think that heroes, and we've talked about this before, come in specific sizes, in uh, specific shapes, with specific experience. And um, I've mentioned before how ordinary people can do extraordinary things. So never ever tell yourself or allow anyone to tell you that you are not extraordinary. There are so many people that are unsung heroes uh, that uh, you probably don't know their names. I talked about, you know, how Harriet Tubman, when she was doing her underground railroad thing or George Washington, there was a guy there that made his shoes or bought him coffee per se. <laughs> it's not like they had Starbucks. But there were so many people that... Uh, band together and it's like there's a band of anons right now and I wanted to 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 share this clip uh, that talks about what makes a hero I, I think it's important for all of you to know because right now all of us are in a battle for our nation and our freedom uh, and it's important that you remind yourself just what a great hero you are for putting up that fight. What did Harry Potter, Katniss Everdeen, and Frodo all have in common with the heroes of ancient myths? What if I told you they are all variants of the same hero? Do you believe that? Joseph Campbell did. He studied myths from all over the world and published a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces, retelling dozens of stories and explaining how each represents the monomyth or hero's journey. So what is the hero's journey? Think of it as a cycle. The journey begins and ends in the hero's ordinary world, but the quest passes through an unfamiliar, special world. Along the way, there are some key events. Think about your favorite book or movie. Does it follow this pattern? Status quo, that's where we start. One o'clock, call to adventure. The hero receives a mysterious message, an invitation, a challenge. Two o'clock, assistance. The hero needs some help, probably from someone older, wiser. Three o'clock, departure. The hero crosses the threshold from his normal, safe home and enters the special world and adventure. We're not in Kansas anymore. Four o'clock. Trials. Being a hero is hard work. Our hero solves a riddle, slays a monster, escapes from a trap. Five o'clock. 
approach. It's time to face the biggest ordeal, a hero's worst fear. Six o'clock, crisis. This is the hero's darkest hour. He faces death and possibly even dies, only to be reborn. Seven o'clock, treasure. As a result, the hero claims some treasure, special recognition, power. Eight o'clock, result. This can vary between stories. Do the monsters bow down before the hero, or do they chase him as he flees from the special world? Nine o'clock, return. After all that adventure, the hero returns to his ordinary world. Ten o'clock, new life. This quest has changed the hero. He has outgrown his old life. Eleven o'clock, resolution. All the tangled plot lines get straightened out. Twelve o'clock, status quo, but upgraded to a new level. Nothing is quite the same once you're a hero. Many popular books and movies follow this ancient formula pretty closely, but let's see how well The Hunger Games fits the hero's journey template. Hold on, let's see where we're at. Where do you think we're at in this template? Let me stop it at the right place. Quo, but upgraded to a new level. Nothing is quite the same once you're a hero. Many popular books and movies follow this ancient formula pretty closely. So where are we? Um, so we've uh, ca been called to the adventure during the elections. We started to provide assistance. We went through trials. We approached the crisis. We're at the six o'clock point, the crisis. Our treasure is regaining our power back. See how they say ordinary, special world? This is supposed to be the special world where we depart what? And I'll tell you what, we've departed the mesmerization, the lies that we have lived in. And there is no returning to an ordinary world. It's returning to a new world that we create. And I hate to say this, but the new normal, as they say, it's actually just you reclaiming back what you know is yours. So this is where we're at. We're at the six o'clock. And this return in the new life is what I've been talking about, which is in well, our work is going to start happening because we've been in this, you know, area here, this shady area. We're right here, probably at, at 632, right? That's where we're at, 632. Um, we're at that point where, okay, are we getting this treasure or are we not? And once you obtain the treasure, what happens after? What is the result? impeachments, more attacks, maybe more fires, maybe the redrawing of borders, whatever it is. But the new life is what we decide. Where we're, we're, we're a nation that is empowered as it was intended in 1776. Every single person right now is playing the role of a hero. So take a look at how they compare with the Hunger Games, which is the actual end game for this new world order. But let's see how well the Hunger Games fits the hero's journey template. When does Katniss Everdeen hear a call to adventure that gets the story moving? When her sister's name is called from the lottery? How about assistance? Is anyone going to help her on her adventure? Hey, Mitch. What about departure? Does she leave her ordinary world? She gets on a train to the capital. Okay, so you get the idea. What do you have in common with Harry Potter, Katniss Everdeen, and Frodo? Well, you're human, just like them. The hero's journey myth exists in all human cultures and keeps getting updated, 
because we humans reflect on our world through symbolic stories of our own lives. You leave your comfort zone, have an experience that transforms you, and then you recover and do it again. You don't literally slay dragons or fight Voldemort, but you face problems we just totally as scary. Are. Joseph Campbell said, In the cave you fear to enter lies the treasure you seek. What is the symbolic cave you fear to enter? Auditions for the school play? Baseball tryouts? Love? Watch for this formula in books, movies, and TV shows you come across. You will certainly see it again. But also... But look, we're doing this. This is... This is a movie, guys. This is one of the best movies and best stories ever told. You know, where this ordinary world and in this graphic was a world of illusion. And the special world is a world of transparency. And in the end, the return is not going to be to an ordinary world, but it'll be a transparent world. And every single one of you are heroes in this. Your grandkids are going to remember that you lived through this big trial and, and, and went through all of these things together. And, you know, a lot of people, history will look back on them very unkindly. And if there's a movie, there's obviously producers and directors. And here is where Shadowgate comes in. Because these are the movie producers. These are the people that are uh, setting the world up and making it seem. Ah, before we get to the trailer, actually, I want to play a very old video. See, this isn't the first time this story was told. How uh, they manipulate everything uh, we see and do. This is a... From February 2012, a USA Today writer, Tom Vandenbroek, and editor Ray Locker, this is all tied into the lawsuit right now that is happening with Leone. Um, this is, I'm going to play the whole video for you, but you're right. I, you know what? You got to see the, you got to see the trailer to understand where we're going with this. So this is the teaser for, uh, Shadowgate. I've, I've uploaded on my YouTube. Millie has it on hers. I want you guys to, we're going to watch it. Then we're going to watch the other one. And then we're going to go back to this so you can see what is being said. I don't want to set the world on fire, honey. I love you too much. I just want to start a great big flame. Well, I got to admit, I found it very interesting how Paul Watson with InfoWars was able to say what he did about fake personas and everything with Leone. But when Millie broke my story as a whistleblower uh, with Dynology doing the same thing, uh, she was fired. So bye bye eyes, Millie. I find that interesting. Camille Shidiak, co-owner of Leone Industries, a Pentagon contractor, has admitted to criminally targeting journalists. Just days after contacting the owners of Leone Industries, a Pentagon-funded PSYOP contractor. By the way, did I mention I worked for Leone? 
where I resigned in disgust because of the way that they misappropriated money and wanted me to secure a classified network with a Linksys home Wi-Fi instead of a nice packet inspection high-end security because they apparently spent their money somewhere else. The PSYOP contractor that was given federal dollars regardless of the back taxes California-based Leone industry owners owed In the world of influence operation, there are no real political alliances. It's all about money, power, and influence. I can answer the question as to whether or not government computers were used for the PSYOP, the IIA campaign against USA Today journalists. Complete control of information on all sides of any particular narrative, counter-narrative, or disinformation campaign targeting an individual, group, or country. So right now there's a court case going on in Hollywood, California, involving the owners of Leone. I'm pretty sure I'm the last person they want talking about this right now. It's involving hundreds of millions of dollars in Department of Defense IIA contracts all right so we're gonna come back to that because we're gonna pause and we're gonna talk but what you need to see is a difference what i've been saying ceo about mattis talked about it in 2018 nobody listened was talking about how coats and mattis and rod rosenstein and pence were all chitty 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 chat but you know surveillance goes both ways and Patrick's a pretty cool guy. You know, he worked on the team of Tip of the Spear. So, you know, when a lot of people, just people, ordinary people come together, extraordinary things happen. Yes, me and Patrick always swam with the sharks. We were part of it. But that doesn't mean that we can't, we can't do a godfather, right? I mean, for me... I've been trying. He's been trying. He's been trying for, what, five years. I've been trying for a little over 10 to wake the masses. So here we go. You're going to see a video that nobody wants you to see because this is something they all know happens and they play dumb. So you have to think, if Millie Weaver was fired for exposing one military-industrial complex, but someone else wasn't fired for exposing the other one. What does that tell you? Hmm. Interesting. We'll go back to the trailer. Watch it once more right after you watch this and see what they already knew and pretended it was shocking. Are listening to me right now because less than three percent of you people read books. Because less than fifteen percent of you read newspapers. Because the only truth you know is what you get over this tube. Right now, there is a whole, an entire generation that never knew anything that didn't come out of this tube. This tube is the gospel, the ultimate revelation. This tube can make or break presidents, popes, 
Prime Minister says this tube is the most awesome goddamn force in the whole godless world. And what was that if it don't hold in the hands of the wrong people? And when the largest company in the world controls the most awesome goddamn propaganda force in the whole godless world, who knows what shit will be peddled for truth on this network? So you listen to me. Listen to me. Television is not the truth. Television is a goddamn amusement park. Television is a circus, a carnival, a traveling troupe of acrobats, storytellers, dancers, singers, jugglers, sideshow freaks, lion tamers, and football players. We're in the boredom killing business. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You eat like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. <laughs> Back in February of 2012, USA Today writer Tom Vandenbroek and editor Ray Locker were targeted just days after contacting the owners of Leone Industries, a Pentagon-funded PSYOP contractor. Mysteriously, websites popped up, some of them claiming that Vandenbroek and Locker worked for the Taliban. These journalists, they weren't even political. They were, they were investigating some mine company corruption or something. But Leone's co-owner created a batch of fake websites, social media accounts, and a fraudulent Wikipedia page in an effort to smear the journalist. Wait a minute. You mean they make fake pages like maybe fake, uh, you know, military pages, fake blogs, fake personas, fake tweets? Again, what did they do? Listen again. Corruption or something. But Leone's co-owner created a batch of fake websites, social media accounts, and a fraudulent Wikipedia page in an effort to smear the journalist. And basically, they created a whole set of fake websites that pretended to be fan websites of these journalists. And they just slowly turned them into complete uh, outposts for smearing them to try and uh, discredit their investigations. And uh, as is documented in this article... And as I've written many articles about since 2008, basically the Pentagon has put out a raft of fake websites that are designed to look like independent media sources. They admitted this in 2008. I'm not making it up. You'll probably see many of them out there when you read the Internet on a day to day basis. And it's all part of Cass Sunstein's cognitive infiltration of so-called conspiracy theorists uh, and putting out disinformation to confuse people lead them away from the truth, lead them down into dead ends, uh, and make everything futile. It wasn't just the fact that they had uncovered a PSYOP contractor that was given federal dollars regardless of the back taxes California-based Leone industry owners owed. They were exposing the major PSYOP they were a part of, American PSYOP 101. A 2000 report from the desk of the Defense Science Board Task Force titled The Creation and Dissemination of All Forms of Information in Support of Psychological Operations, PSYOP, in Time of Military Conflict. This unclassified report is available in PDF form as a link in the description of the report you're listening to right now. Hmm. 
It's very interesting because this uh, report on this is why I say I haven't talked about Bosnia and Kosovo yet, as you could see, is um, that was my time. That was my peak, actually. Uh, that was my peak. The report details how PSYOPs were successful and unsuccessful in major PSYOP operations overseas. From this research, the task force found that military PSYOP offers a unique and powerful asset in military operations, both in peacetime and in war. Given the broad array of complex missions conducted by U.S. military forces, understanding the culture and preparation of the soft battle space is imperative to the conduct of successful operations. Members of the Defense Science Board Task Force include Dennis Boven of Bear Stearns, Brand Farron of Walt Disney Imagineering, Paul Kaladzi of DARPA, to name a few. The financial arena in bed with the entertainment industry, the robotics industry, and the Defense Department. One of the diagrams from the report describes how strategic, military, and tactical psyops work. All signs of the times in the United States since 9-11 reeks of the genesis of a strategic psyop, which is now morphing into a military psyop, as indicated by the newly uncovered SOCOM document listing Utah, Texas, and Southern California as hostile areas. So that's a trick. When something's supposed to be declassified, they'll still hide it. So now for four or five days, they've had the different publications, Stars and Stripes, Military.com, and others going, we don't know if the document's real, but these conspiracy theorists, uh, uh, you know, claim that we want to take over Texas and Utah this, this summer and martial law. We're not going to have martial law this summer. You notice that I don't deny the operation. Wasn't it great when Alex Jones actually did news? Because see, here he is exposing the other military industrial complex. So because the more violent one, the one that has been planning the military coup, right? The other one's also involved, right? But the one that is active and staunch and has all the brass, that was exposed and he went nuts and banned it off his own site. So what does that tell you about InfoWars? No, whatsoever. They just keep trying to, you know, move the attention away from the fact that that's going on and just keep throwing out the conspiracy term and keep attacking us so it takes people's attention off of the fact that there that there is a mission going to happen just like it says in the documents they're not denying it today's psyop force includes a small but dedicated cadre of country experts familiar with the cultures and fluent in the languages of their accounts there is a small and equally dedicated cadre of production personnel operating a modest suite of production capabilities one such dedicated cadre of production personnel is Obama supporter and major Hollywood mogul Harvey Weinstein, who is now shelling out films aimed at attacking the Second Amendment. I don't think we need guns in this country, and I hate it, and I think that the NRA is a disaster area, he said in an interview last year. They're going to wish they weren't alive after I'm done with them. And now, Film Nation Entertainment has greenlit a drama entitled Ms. Sloan, in which an anti-gun lobbyist pushes through the federal government control legislation by targeting the gun rights lobby. On May 18, 2012, Michael Hastings, reporting for BuzzFeed News, delved into the bipartisan amendment that neutralized the Smith-Munt Act of 1948 and Foreign Relations Authorization Act in 1987. The Smith-Munt Modernization Act of 2012 legalized the use of PSYOP propaganda in the United States, funded by the State Department. A co-author of the bill, Representative Mac Thornberry of Texas, regarded Hastings' fears as silly. 
Matt Armstrong, former executive director of the State Department's Commission on Public Diplomacy, stated, There's this misconception that public diplomacy is propaganda. Propaganda is a lie, a deception, or intentional ambiguity, none of which can be led to effective public diplomacy by any country, let alone the U.S., a doublespeak propaganda statement if there ever was one. John Bound for Infowars.com. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street, and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Yep. There's one thing stronger than all armies in the world, and that's when an idea whose time has come. It was great. Eight years ago when, uh, you know, Alex Jones was a voice of freedom, a voice of um, exposing corruption. And again, now watch Shadowgate, the trailer with no interruptions yet. We're going to go right back over it so you can see um, the difference and what is being said here. I don't want to set the world on fire, honey. I love you too much. I just want to start a great big flame down in your heart. Well, I got to admit, I found it very interesting how Paul Watson with InfoWars was able to say what he did about fake personas and everything with Leone. But when Millie broke my story as a whistleblower... Uh, with Dynology doing the same thing. Uh, she was fired. So bye my eyes, Millie. I find that interesting. Camille Shidiak, co-owner of Leone Industries, a Pentagon contractor, has admitted to criminally targeting journalists. Just days after contacting the owners of Leone Industries, a Pentagon-funded PSYOP contractor. By the way, did I mention I worked for Leone? <laughs> where I resigned in disgust because of the way that they misappropriated money and wanted me to secure a classified network with a Linksys home Wi-Fi instead of a nice packet inspection high-end security because they apparently spent their money somewhere else. The PSYOP contractor that was given federal dollars regardless of the back taxes California-based Leone industry owners owed in the world of influence operation, there are no real political alliances. It's all about money, power, and influence. 
I can answer the question as to whether or not government computers were used for the PSYOP, the IIA campaign against USA Today journalists. Complete control of information on all sides of any particular narrative, counter-narrative, or disinformation campaign targeting an individual, group, or country. So right now there's a court case going on in Hollywood, California, involving the owners of Leone. I'm pretty sure I'm the last person they want talking about this right now. It's involving hundreds of millions of dollars in Department of Defense IIA contracts. All right. So let's go back over this quickly. So the first thing that you should unpack on this, because this trailer has some really nice stuff, is Patrick making this I statement. Love you too much. I just want to start a great big flame down in your heart. Well, I got to admit, I found it very interesting how Paul Watson with InfoWars was able to say what he did about fake personas and everything with Leone. But when Millie broke my story as a whistleblower uh, with Dynology doing the same thing, uh, she was fired. So bye-bye, Billy. So let me explain something. The Titans. <laughs> so, you know, Patrick documented, worked for both big Titans. And these Titans fight. They fight to control you. They fight to control the media. They fight to control the internet, the content, what you hear, what you see, everything. What you eat, what you wear, everything. So here's the question. If InfoWars was okay exposing the one Titan, but banned and executed an IIA on his own person, right? Because both Patrick and I trusted Alex Jones. Adored Alex Jones. I think the first words that came out of Patrick's mouth was, I think you're the only one I can trust in media. I've said that I trust Alex Jones, not in full wars, Alex Jones, right? And Millie Weaver has been, She's been by his side for so many years, yet so quickly, huh? Because like I've said, 99.99% of all media, independent, brick and mortar, and been there for a while, like Dan Rather, Leone's payroll, that's what his payroll is. That's where he gets his check. I mean, we're still paying Leone money. I mean, I've given you the USA spending uh, website. You can go find it yourself, but they have so many names. So I think maybe putting in the address, you'll see it. I mean, so many names. So if it's okay to talk about the one Titan, but then the other Titan gets you all panties in a twist, what does that tell you? Aha, uh -huh, there you go. Now, 
the, the, the thing that you have to understand is the Titan of the first shadow gate is one that's going for your wireless communications. They're using a different mode and trying to, no, my products better know my products. And all they do is fight, fight, fight for control. And, um, that group exposed in Shadowgate one also includes people like people from the McCain campaign, the Lincoln project. All of those people came after us, uh, making fake sites, claiming things that don't exist, stealing emails. They committed crimes. I mean, for me, I remember on the day that um, Shadowgate was released, someone told me that this crazy person was on the radio that I used to work for, uh, and she was being promoted for Congress. And the person's insane. Insane. And why is the radio show doing? This was planned, you guys. They knew exactly what we were doing. And I'll show you how it was planned. So in January, we released... A couple of things, a little bit of information. Yeah. Um, and let me find it. I will find it for you. Where is it? It's a little one right there. We released some information and Intrepid, right? Intrepid Corp ended ION 1, July 31st, 2020, after some reports that Millie put out. And then when we released the trailer, Ion 2 was terminated too. <laughs> I thought I would just bring that up uh, so that people can see just how well planned this was. It all started in, well, 2019 when a lot of truth was coming out and a lot of heat was coming on. So... These aren't things that they just whoop together, you know, whatever. Obviously, some grifters that pretend, you know, that they're, you know, smart and great when their job, their job is to gather blackmail. And uh, I mentioned Carl Rove and I want you to know, I, you know, I don't really give a shit who you sleep with. I, I don't care. Obviously, if you're pandering that you're a reborn Christian and telling your Christian fanatics that you're not when you're gathering blackmail. So here's what happened. Carl Rove was going after the Democrats, specifically, listen to this, Robert Bauer, who was White House counsel for Barack Hussein Obama. Okay. And Q Music, Ali is having affairs with Carl Rove all of a sudden and putting out advertisements to have, you know, relations with dudes. Right. And so he gets blackmail on Carl Rove and then sells it to Obama's camp so they can strong arm Carl Rove not to open his mouth. That's what happened. And that's just then. Look at the people that he surrounds himself on. So, you know, this is what happened. I, I mean, I'm not, is it, yeah, prostitution, whatever. It's friendly ads, you know, back page, whatever, stuff like that. But the bottom line is, I don't care about a person's, pri a, a person's private life. I don't really care. I don't care if you've <clears throat> committed crimes. I don't care who you have sex with. I don't care how many kids you have. I don't care of any of your business, how non-educated or educated. I don't. But the bottom line is here, his operations were done for blackmail in order to influence our nation's direction. So this is what you have to see. And part of the Lincoln Project right there.
part of the Lincoln Project right there. After Shadowgate, Lincoln Project went away, didn't it? Oh, yes, it did. Kind of. So that's number one. Who works for who? I already told you. Everything you're seeing. Even yesterday during, you know, the airing of the interview of the president, he said, what you're watching is a product of the military industrial complex. Because, you know, they claim to do good. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Here's the next portion. I find that interesting. Camille Shidiak, co-owner of Leone Industries, a Pentagon contractor, has admitted to criminally targeting journalists. Just days after contact. So the um, criminally targeted journalists, they created fake pages, fake web pages, fake social media accounts, fake emails. They were setting them up. They were harassing them. They were sending unsolicited emails. They were pushing all this misinformation or information that is actual, but in a different light, right? They were committing crimes to shut them up. And I'll tell you what the major shut up. Well, I don't know if they were on target, but you know what? I mean, they're in court right now. I think Congress should be concerned if we're talking about missing federal tax dollars because all they did was lose those contracts. They've revamped themselves. It's like Leone-Fiber, Leone-This, Leone-That. They have tons of websites revamping themselves. But still under Leone Industries, they have contracts from 2017. Their webpage that you know of, the one that's been exposed through this reporting in 2012, is dead. But they've got other stuff. See, this is what they do. They hide information. They change, you know, um, spellings. And right now we have the person that was fired fired suing uh the company for firing him listen he got fired right because he did what they told him the pentagon told leone to attack the reporters at usa today that's why it was odd that usa today wanted to paint us as QAnon to put a target on our back and it was like why are you doing this like you've been victim of the same thing why would you do it but matthew was kind because i think usa today remembers that they were victims of the same and this is why the mainstream media didn't come at it cuz they know that you know there are receipts there are emails there's data there's communications but usa today came out um which we found quite interesting Contacting the owners of Leone Industries, a Pentagon-funded PSYOP contractor. By the way, did I mention I worked for Leone? Where I resigned in disgust because of the way that they misappropriated. They misappropriated money, and he resigned, okay? And he didn't want to work for Leone anymore. Now, again... He worked for both Dynology and Leone, both opposite camps, both, you know, putting together. And as you can see, the reason for his actions, direct results of your response to me and regarding network security report I issued to I'm a Leone employee, not a sub on this contract. My reason for submitting that report to you was to make you aware of very serious deficiencies in the security and infrastructure of this network. I am a certified information security officer. I have more than one, uh, more than 15 years of IT experience within the last nine years, focused on network security and the last five years directly supporting network infrastructures for the Department of Defense. What they did, and you're going to, you know, this is just a question that someone needs to investigate. But what they did was they pulled $4 million out of Afghanistan while our troops were there. Look at this. 
while our troops were there fighting a war that shouldn't have started in the first place, but they were fighting a war. This is under Barack Hussein Obama. They were fighting a war. Suddenly, they cut the budget by $4 million and gave him a router, a Linksys router to secure communications to keep our soldiers safe. Think about it. Think about it. Because, you know, Ali came out and said they fired Bergie. No. This guy is a hero. As a contractor, he sat down and said, I'm not doing this. People are going to die. You cannot secure a network on this. And he came out and told them that. And this is what happened. He resigned. He said, I'm not going to be part of this. Because why did they pull out $4 million is the question. So there could be a good answer to this. Did money and wanted me to secure a classified network with a Linksys home Wi-Fi instead of a nice packet inspection high-end security because they apparently spent their money somewhere else. The PSYOP contract. So that's his visa that Leone sponsored for him to go uh, to Kabul. That was given federal dollars regardless of the back. So I want you to see that the Pentagon's, uh, you know, head PSYOP contractor is California based right now. They're in court in Hollywood. And uh, these people had more than four million in liens in their home's property for failure to pay federal income taxes. Well, it kind of comes out that that's the about the same amount of money that was pulled out of Afghanistan while our troops were fighting that these people cut back on. Was it to pay their back taxes? Was it? That's a question we should ask. Why did they cut it by $4 million, $5 million, and suddenly pay this? Because, you know, after they pulled the money, this went away. So if a budget is cut during wartime, where you have your sons, your daughters, your fathers, your grandfathers, your friends that are turning into hamburger because they needed to pay their property taxes, you should be pissed. And that's treason. And the fact that the Pentagon covered up for it, the fact that no one said anything is a problem. And this needs to be revisited. This is a problem. Could it be that our soldiers during that time that were killed was because they had pulled that money out that was federal taxpayer dollars to make sure that our soldiers are safe? That's what you need to ask yourself. Where are the questions? Why isn't anyone? I've seen this done before. Saw it done in Iraq. I've seen it with my own eyes. You know why? Because we're the ones that cut the budget. And it's the private contractors. Wait till Shadowgate 2.0 comes out where you're going to see emails that clearly say that the private contractors are dictating how the war goes. See, these people are also private contractors, right? Leone is private contracting company. So they pull money out and your soldier dies because they are playing war. That's criminal. And yet, you know, it was debunked. (laughs) They're in court right now because the person that got fired is suing the company for firing them because what they did was what the Pentagon told them to do was smash around USA Today. But you know what's going to be funny? 
What if Bergie comes down there and says, well, when I was there, you cut my budget and the timing of you paying your taxes is kind of odd. Can we check out the bank records? That's what needs to happen. See, they're playing games with our nation. They're using us as pawns. They're, 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 they're doing all of this and they don't care about you. They will kill you. They don't care. They don't care. And that's the thing. They really don't care about you. So there's that. Well, they had a lien and boy, that amount is kind of similar to the amount that they pulled out of Afghanistan during that time while your family members, your loved ones, our uniformed and non-uniformed personnel were there and got hurt. Interesting. Texas, California-based Leone industry owners owed in the world of influence operation, there are no real political alliances. It's all about money, power, and influence. I can answer the question as to whether or not government computers were used for the PSYOP, the IIA campaign against USA Today journalists. Complete control of information on all sides of any particular narrative, counter-narrative, or disinformation campaign targeting an individual, group, or country. So right now there's a court case going on in Hollywood, California, involving the owners of Leone. I'm pretty sure I'm the last person they want talking about this right now. It's involving hundreds of millions of dollars. So here are emails um, between... Patrick and others, where they're talking about contracts, where they're talking about the IOTF, where they're talking about IIA, and, um, you know, where he's a little bit concerned and he's bringing things up. Millions of dollars in Department of Defense IIA contracts. And that should concern every single American. So when I, when I would see the jihadi... <laughs> Screaming, people died. And I'm like, dude, you don't have any idea what you're talking about. And claiming this stolen valor shit. I get so pissed off, Mr. Lincoln Project, Mr. Professional Blackmailer, posturing to say, I can get her, I can get her. And yeah, you know, that's the way they work. They surround themselves to people that they know can make change and they will suffocate them. And that is important. Everybody should be pissed. Everybody should be saying, why are we not talking about the Leone case? I want to know if those soldiers that died, where are the, where are the gold star families? Your soldier died in Afghanistan during that time. You need to call up and you need to say, Hey, Hey, I want to know, did they pull those funds and get my kid killed? Because of money? That's the question everyone should be asking. Now, you have the two Titans. Obviously, you haven't been introduced thoroughly to Titan number two, and that's coming. But one thing's for sure. It is so incredible that there are people that are wearing the uniform that were present in my presence, in Bergie's presence, they knew exactly what was going on and nothing, nothing was done. They said nothing. And here are people, one of them that was in the shadows and the other one that has some documentations, right? That stood up for what's right. He resigned because he was pissed. He resigned because he didn't want his name when these 
innocent soldiers lost their limbs and their lives because of, because of money. Because of money. Huh? But they don't care about you. So we've got two military industrial complexes in front of you, both battling for your mind. And while you're sitting there watching all these tweets coming from your check marks, you have to think, who's signing their checks? Who signs their checks? All of them. So this isn't about, I don't like this. I don't like that. I'm, I hate this. I hate that. This is about us, the people. This is about us and our freedom. Ordinary people can do some really extraordinary things. And what we need to do is make sure that our nation remains the way it was intended to be. And that's free and God-fearing power. That's all they want. And they will stop at nothing for it. I can sit here till I'm blue in the face and tell you how someone's compromised. I can tell you how someone's, you know, a, a black hat, pretending to be a white one, an actor, a bad agent, infiltrated. I could tell you anything. But the thing is, as we've noticed in these, you know, first nine months of 2020 is that you could be told anything. You just have to see it yourself to get it. That's how it is. You have to see it yourself. That's how it is. So why is it that people are not paying attention to the fine print and the actions? Because we've been conditioned so. We've been raised so. So it's time to jump out of that box and start paying attention. Like I said, you don't even have to listen to me, ever. Listen to your president. He tells you everything you need to know. For those of you that like to dig, feel free to go back to that and keep looking and looking. Look at that Leone case, pretty cray-cray, because it's going to end up with them pleading a deal because then they have to admit that the Pentagon was the one that gave the order to trash USA Today, and they did call it Pentagon Contractors. <laughs> So imagine that your own government attacks you. And now think of that in the context of General Flynn. Think of that in the context of what attacks the president of the United States is under. Think of that when you see the next dirt story where you're just like, oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. You got to think about it. And then you have to think about the aftermath. Because if you take a step back and look at the aftermath, you're going to see, uh, you know, What's really going on? This new, what do they say? The How is the schematic that there's like a, a, a ordinary world and special world? <laughs> special indeed. Could you imagine? You can actually see and there's light everywhere in transparency. That's pretty extraordinary in such a dark world. So on that note, I want to wish you guys a fabulous evening. I will see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. And obviously, I will be uh, putting this up on YouTube um, the minute I get it downloaded. So I'll leave you with one of our president's favorite tunes as a ballad. Rising up back on the street Did my time, took my chances 
I went the distance, now I'm back on my feet Just a man and his will to survive So many times it happens too fast